Great Gildersleeve. Lux <laughs> yeah. presents Hollywood. Now cut that out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. We present another in the series of war air stories by that ace of all air story writers, George Bruce. George Bruce was a pioneer in flying. His stories are reflections of his own crowded life and of the lives of other American war pilots. They are published exclusively in Aces Magazine, which, incidentally, has the largest newsstand sale of any magazine devoted to flying stories. It is the late summer morning of the year 1917 the Midwestern town of Empire. In the austere pulpit of the First Disciple Church, the Reverend Dr. Hall is concluding the morning service. But there is no dispensation made in the commandment, thou shalt not kill, not even for soldiers who fight for their country. All war is murder. The day America declared war, I said to my son, Promise me you will not be stampeded by this ghastly hysteria which plunges our nation into murder. Promise me you will never touch a rifle. He gave me that promise, and so I am proud of my son. Rather would I see him lifeless at my feet than to have him mock the Christian ideals with which he has been reared. And now, let us join in song. you think my sermon today a strong one? Well, Father, I've got something to say to you. I think I'd better tell you right away. Why, of course, of course. I I don't quite know how to tell you. You see, I've always tried to do the right thing, Father. Tried to obey your wishes. And when I gave you my word, I wouldn't... Don't, don't say any more. I know what you're going to tell me. The town's been talking again. Well, they called you slacker and yellow and all the rest of it. And so the sinners have always plagued the righteous. But you've made your promise, and I know you'll hold to it. Listen, Father, the town has been talking. Now, I don't care for myself, but I can't forget Shirley. You know what her brother Dick called me when he enlisted that morning and I didn't? Oh, well, the town's taken it up. They say that I married Shirley three days before the war was declared to escape enlistment. They say I'm hiding behind Shirley's skirts and my minister's coat. They say Shirley and I... Shirley, you can't care what this sinful, blood-mad town is saying. Yes, Father. I do care. Oh, can't you see what it means to him? His friends are gone. The, the people in the parish is near oh. again. No, no, please, don't be angry, Father. I'm Archie's wife. I love him more than I can say. And my heart will break if he has to go to war and leave me. But even so... Hello, sis. Where? 
Nick, you're here. Just dropped in on the train on Texas. Punch from Kelly Field, Cheryl. I'm a lieutenant. You get it? Oh. Lieutenant Dick Landis. Got my pilot's license, and I'm on my way to France. Oh, it's Dick off the front. Great, isn't it? They still give you the works in the Air Force. We'll wallop hell out of the Germans now. Well, Doc Hall, I suppose you're still preaching those milksop sermons of yours. The deacon don't seem to be wearing a uniform yet, either. What's the matter, deacon? Scared? You're drunk, young man. Drunk with liquor and the lust to kill. No, no, wait a minute, Father. Dick, this isn't a very pleasant way to say goodbye. But I do want to wish you luck and... No, I won't shake hands. Not with no traitor and slacker, I won't. You think I'm going to grab the pound of a guy who insults my own sister by hiding behind her skirts? Marrying her so he won't get... Oh, what do you mean, Dick? You no, dog! You can't talk to me like this, Landis! No, Even if you are my brother Lock. Take no. that! Hit me, will you? How's that? How do you like that? Fighting immediately. What? What blasphemy? Fighting in the church. Why, Arch, I'm ashamed of you. Dick Landis, leave at once. Yeah, I'm glad to go. Girl, I told you never to marry this minister punk. Goodbye, slacker. Well, they won't be able to say those cruel things about you now that you're a soldier. Now that he's a soldier? What does this mean? I wanted to tell you before, Father. I'm going. Shirley, this is your work. You got him to do this. You wanted him to go. No. No, I love Arch. I can't bear to have him go. But I can't have him called a coward. And I won't stand in his way. Why, why he could have gained exemption because of me, but I told him to go. Make a murderer of my son? No. He won't go. He will not. He dare not break his promise to his father. I haven't broken any promises to you, sir. I promised you I wouldn't enlist. Well, I didn't. I was drafted. I promised you I wouldn't touch a rifle. And I'm not going to. I'm going into the air service. like you'd been an ace all your days. Oh, I... We've needed you in this outfit for months, boy. Hans Gunther's been driving us haywire. You go up there scouting like a veteran and chase the Dutchman all to the devil. Where'd you learn to fly? Oh, don't ask me. I, I was scared stiff, Cassidy. I didn't see those fuckers till they were right on top of me. Go on, you got eyes in the back of your scalp. Listen, man, I've been out here since the show began, and you're the greatest natural airman i ever seen. Four Germans, first crack out of the box. Say, you're the best man in the outfit, hands down. Oh, thanks, Cassidy. But it was just luck. Just plain luck. You can tell that to a greaseball. Well, you're a queer ticket at that. You don't drink or go out with the boys or anything. But you sure can fly. Well, if I can, it's just luck, I guess. I was scared stiff, honest. <laughs> I bet Von Gunther's fit to be tied. Say, listen, man. What was you before you joined this outfit? What did you do? What's your job, huh? Well, you're going to be surprised, Cassidy. I'm a minister. The boys in my town used to call me deacon. Well, lay me out in lavender. <laughs> a sky pilot, huh? I guess so. Well, wait till the gang hears of this. Say, I got you named, buddy. Boy, put her there and shake her. Oh, sure. So you're the deacon. Well, can you tie that? The lad's a deacon. <laughs> hey, hey, gang. Hey, come over here and 
meet this here ace of ours. Huh? Come on over and meet the deacon. The deacon from hell. The German ace is under his realm, Polly Roo. The German ace is under his realm, Polly Roo. The German ace is under his realm, Polly Roo. The German ace is under his realm, Polly Roo. The German ace is under his realm, Polly Roo. The German ace is under his realm, Polly Roo. orders that come through that Von Gunther's going to raid our railway base at Bois Chaperone at dawn tomorrow. And the first crack out of the box, our new outfit pulls the assignment to stop that raid and get Von Gunther at dawn. Well, It's a devil of a job. There are some new replacements coming in tonight, but we'll be up against big odds. It'll take a good man to lead a flight against Von Gunther. It'll take the best man we've got. A man with guts. And a guy who knows how to fight. And I'm going to hand the honor to the boy who deserves every inch of it. He's only been with us two days, but what he's done in those two days is plenty. Now, I'm going to pick this boy to lead you. Gentlemen, the honor goes to the deacon from hell. Stand up, deacon. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Captain Cassidy. All right. But I... Well, I... I don't know what to say quite. I... Believe me, I'd like nothing better than to go up there and get this German ace. But... Man, you're going to get him. You're going to lead these boys like a whirlwind and stop that rain. That's what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Stand Special letter for Lieutenant Arch Hall. Oh, well, that's fine, thanks. Say, excuse me a minute, will you, boy? I sure go right ahead. Yeah? Twelve pursuits. Replacement, sir. Well, come on in, boys. Join the gang. And you're just in time to get in on the big scrap. They're going up and stop on Gunther at dawn tomorrow. Just lining up the place. That guy over there with his nose in that letter will be your leader. That guy over there? You made him flight leader? Ah, oh, say, you seem to know him. Do I know him? Why, that bird is in my hometown. This old man's a pacifist preacher. He didn't even enlist. Got drafted, see? Do I know him? Say, he married my own sister so he wouldn't have to go to... Hey, Deacon! You hear what this replacement's telling us about you? Yeah, Deacon, I'm telling your outfit how yellow you are. By God, Deacon. Take your face out of that letter and punch this greaseball a crack in the nose. Well, I must... Uh, throw down that letter, Deacon. Show this boy what you can do. Hey! Hey, what's he doing? I'm sorry, fellas. This man's my brother-in-law. And tell him how yellow you are, Deacon. Hey, are you going to take this guff from this kiwi, Deacon? Lock him for a loop. You're a flight leader. I'm sorry, Captain Cassidy. Sorry? What the devil do you mean, sorry? I'm not going to leave the flight tomorrow. What? I'm not going to fly tomorrow. I can't. Oh, yeah. What the devil's the matter with the whole flight? Ray, look! Ray! Oh, look at the Look at that searchlight! Wait for me, Skipper. I'll show you a bunch of real war. I'll get this German hoodoo of yours. Where's this? Go on! Put one over on us. There he is up there, Deacon. My God, what a surprise you pulled on me. Stand there and let the boys know you're a coward. Get the hell out there into your crate. You're a rotten punk. Get out there and fight. Oh, God, I can't. I can't fight. Not now. Well, I've seen some lousy ones go sailing my 
Where's your guts, you punk? Stop shivering. Get up there. Oh, God, please. Take your hands off me. I can't fly, I tell you. I won't fly. God, if, if I was killed yeah. now... Oh, my God, you're a stupid... No, no. I can't die, I tell you. I mustn't. Not now. Oh, God. God, there's another one down in the flames. Yeah. Your own gang dying, and you stand there blubbering like a punk baby. Look at me. Look at me. And then there's plenty of feet. And you're all blubbering like I know, I know. Look at you, brother. We're only going to get him. What? Look. See, Jerry's right in his chaos. What? Don't let him get you, Peter. Hey! Get the rest of these. Smoke pouring from his ship. Get out of the way, Cassidy. Give me that helmet. By heaven, they can't bring down me. Stop them. I'll kill them all, police. I'll kill them all. Look at him, too. Go for it, Deacon. Oh, what a climb. There he goes. We've saved that bird yet. Go on, Deacon. Get him. Get that guy with a lion on his face. Attaboy. Go on, Deacon. Go on. Oh, what a roll. He's on Von Gunther's tail. He's right in the middle of him. Six cherries against him. Go on, Deacon. You got the two of them. Get the Baron. God, they must be tearing a ship apart with lead. He's got him. He's got Von Gunther. The ship's burning. They'll make it. Hang on, kid. You'll be all right, Deacon. Easy now. Easy. Oh. Take another swig, kid. Oh. That's the boy. Oh. You come out of that crash fine. They couldn't kill the Deacon from hell. Tommy. On Gunther. He, he was killing Dick. Killing my wife's brother. You got him, old man. You got Von Gunther and three of his men. Knocked that surprise raid into a cocked hat. So, Dick... How about Dick? I'm okay, Deacon. Oh. The plane came out of a spin just as I thought I was done. And I taxied to the tree before she took fire. You you sure saved my life for me, Deacon. Oh, Dick. I, I'm sorry about everything I said. Oh, thank God, Dick. You know, you know, if one of us had died, it would have killed her. Her? What do you mean? My wife, Cassidy. You see that letter I got tonight? She never told me when I went away. She's in the hospital. And she must have known it all the time. Don't you see... If I had died, it would have killed her. Listen, Deacon. Listen. I got word from home yesterday. Shirley's all right, Deacon. She's doing fine. It's a boy. The dramatized story by George Bruce you have just heard was taken from Aces, the pioneer air story magazine. Your news dealer has George Bruce's latest story, Featured in the current issue of Aces.
Howdy, everybody. Here we are, all ready to take you down to Pine Ridge for another visit with Lum and Abner. Brought to you by the makers of Horlicks, the original malted milk. First, here's an interesting story connected with Horlicks. Some time ago, I met an old friend of mine. We got to talking about this and that, and he told me, among other things, that he was worried about his wife. She was constantly trying to reduce, and her health had been greatly impaired. Well, here's what I did. I told him to have his wife listen to Lum and Abner on a certain night the following week. The night I was going to tell our listeners about the Horlick weight control plan. How a glass full of Horlicks in place of a regular noonday lunch would greatly help in reducing weight. How in a recent test, 25 women using the plan averaged a weight reduction of nearly four pounds in only three weeks. Well, she did listen in that night, decided to try the plan for herself, and the last I heard, it seemed that my old friend's worries were over at last. His wife had found the ideal weight control plan. Incidentally, she never missed hearing Lum and Abner after that. If you're at all overweight, try the Horlicks weight control plan yourself. Just drink a good glass full of delicious Horlicks every noontime in place of your regular lunch. The more rigidly you follow the plan, the better will be the results. And remember, your health will benefit, too. And now, let's see what's happening down in Pine Ridge. Yesterday, Squire Skimp put up $2,000 with which Snake Hogan bought Abner's Jotham Down store. If the scheme had worked as Squire had planned, Abner would have turned right around and invested the money in the Squire's silver mine. And Squire would have had his money back and the store, too. But after the deal was closed, Abner failed to fall in with the second part of Squire's scheme and refused to buy any stock in the mine at all. <laughs> the result is that Abner has sold his store for a handsome price, and Squire has been trying in vain to get his $2,000 back. As we look in on Pine Ridge today, we find Lum down at Dick Huddleston's store discussing the matter. Listen. Yes, sir. It sold it for $2,000 cash. Well, where did Snake Hogan get the $2,000 to buy it with? He was on her leaf all last winter. Now, Abner says he told him some of his relations left it to him. Well, I'll declare. <laughs> By Jack, that's a good price for that store. That stock of grocers over there won't invoice over $1,200. I know it. I told Abner that's the best deal ever I hear to be making. Sure. I was over at his house all morning trying to get him to invest it in our silver mine, but I couldn't get him to do it. Well, now, don't you be trying to get Abner to soak all that money in that mining stock loan. Why, it'll make him rich, Dick. $2,000 worth of that stock ain't no telling how much it will be worth. Squire says it'll pay back $160 for every dollar a body puts in it. Yeah, that's what Squire says. Well, Dick, you know how much silver mines is worth. That's one thing folks has got to have is silver. You can always sell that stuff. Well, now, you don't know for sure, though, Lump, if there's any silver out there in that mine. Oh, they silver there, all right. Squire's got a big hunk of it he dug out of there himself and brung back with him. Well, now, I wouldn't insist on having her put his money in it, though, if he doesn't want to. Well, his own wife, Elizabeth, knows it's a good proposition. But she's got a better business head on her than he has. She's trying to get him to invest in it, too, but he won't do it. Stubbornest one man I ever seen in my life. There was a big crowd of us over there. Argued with him right nigh all morning. Professor Willoughby and his wife and Squire and Elizabeth and myself all arguing with him. He just sat there and shook his head. Well, good for him. Well, I'm going to lose some friends, though, I'm telling you, Dave. Squire's awful mad at him. Well, he's mad at me, too, for that good. Mad at you? Yeah, for some reason or other, he thinks I ought to just make Abner buy it. I told him a while ago I can just force him into buying it. Why, no, of course not. 
I never seen Squire so worked up over anything in my life. That's all he can talk about. Looks like he just got his head set, just bound and determined that Dabner's going to buy that stock, whether he wants to or not. Snake Hogan's is pretty mad about it, too, I think. Snake Hogan? What he's got to do with it? I don't know, but he called up while I was over and told Abner if he didn't buy stock in the mine if that money, he's going to make him trade back. Well, I don't see how I could do that. If Abner's got the money, while well, the deal's all closed. Yeah, I don't think he can make him. Well, I know. Snake would just sort of bluff him there. Wait. Yonder comes Abner now. <laughs> I think he's sure tickled over the deal he made. <laughs> well, he ought to be selling his store for about twice what it's worth. <laughs> I wish I was still a half-partner in that store. I'd take my half of that $2,000 and make myself dependent for the rest of my life. Mm, by Jack, you fellas have certainly been changing ownership of that store for the last six months. Got to where I never know who my competitor is anymore. <laughs> it has been changing about right tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, watch Abner strutting up there, coming up there in the front yeah, door. He's proud of himself, <laughs> all right. Well, come in, Abner, come in. Yeah. Now, howdy, boys, howdy. Are you looking for me, Abner? No, I just thought I'd drop down low for a while. I thought maybe you'd change your mind about buying that stock. No, I ain't change my mind, I ain't going to. I wouldn't buy it now at all after Squire threatened me if I never bought it. That's a good deal you made, Abner. Lama just tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a pretty smooth trader, ain't I? <laughs> well, that's just about twice what the store was. Yeah, that's what I figured. But Snake made me that offer, so I took it. You know, I, that's a funny fella, that Snake Hogan, you know him? Funny. Yeah, him and Squire come down there yesterday and made me that proposition, and I taking him up on it, and now then he'd want me to trade back. He said if I don't invest the $2,000 he'd give me in that silver mine, that I've got to trade back with him. Well, what business is it of his what you do with the money? And that's what I told him a while ago. Well, I think he's just doing that on account of he's a friend of Squire's. And see, Elizabeth told Squire if he'd find somebody to buy the store off of Abner there, why, she'd see personal that you bought stock in the silver mine with the money. I know it. I told her to keep her nose out of my business from here on. That's the reason I come down here to low. Me and her ain't getting along any too good. Well, now, she was doing that for your own good, Abner. Yeah, I know. She's trying to help. I reckon I sort of flew off in the handle. Well, I still can't understand why Snake Hogan's interested in you buying that stock in a silver mine. He doesn't even own any stock in it, does he? No, no, not a nickel's worth. Well, I never seen a fella so mad over anything in my life as he is. Got me sort of scared about it, all the threats he's been making. Oh, I don't think he'd do anything. Well, I don't know now, Lum. I've known Snake a long time, and ain't nothing too low down on her for him to do. Yeah, that's right. I was just wondering, this whole thing looks funny to me. Was Squire there when you made the deal with Snake, had not he? Yeah, yeah, he's the one that talked to him into buying the store from me. Mm-hmm. Don't suppose that Squire put that money up for Snake to buy it with, do you? No, no, Snake fell heirs to it or something. I was just thinking that maybe Squire had given Snake the money, thinking that you'd uh, turn right around and invest it in the silver mine. That way he'd get his money back and have a store, too. No, Nick. No, no. He, he'd have to give Abner $2,000 worth of stock in the silver mine. He wouldn't be nothing ahead that way. Yeah, if the stock's worth anything. Oh, well, it's worth $160 for every dollar. Yeah, I, know, I, know, I know. I guess I was wrong. Just trying to figure out why Snake is anxious to see Abner put that money in the mine himself. I guess you forgot about Squire would have to give him stock, huh? Well, I don't know why he done it, but I've got the money now and I aim to keep it. Till I finish. What are you going to do now, Abner? Are you going into some other kind of business? No, sir, I ain't going to do nothing. Folks around here have been accusing me of being backwoods because I wouldn't take no part in any society doing. 
I dogged some hair out, I'm going right into it. Well, good for you, Abner. I guess Elizabeth and Paul has been a little ashamed of me because I wouldn't try to improve myself. Folks are beginning to look down on me. I dogged some hair out, I'm going to set them a pace around here. It'll be hard for them to follow. They don't know nothing about society yet. Wait till I get started. I'm going to get me a book on society and study up on it right good. Before I get done, this town won't hold me. Hi, Granny, that's the way I love to hear you talking. Yes, <laughs> To be right honest with you, I've been sort of ashamed of you myself. Wearing them overhauls around. Yeah. Got to where we never had nothing in common no more. You never played contract bridge and you stopped taking them voice lessons. Well, I'll make up for lost time now. I won't have that store to worry about. Yeah, you're a gentleman now. Gentlemen of leisure. Well, that's good, huh, being leader? Oh, my, yeah. <laughs> in society, the leisure you are, the higher up you get. Yeah, look driving up there in front, Edna. Huh? Well, there's Squire and Snake Hole. Oh, my goodness. Now the argument starts all over again about me buying stock in that silver miner, trading back with the snake and getting his money back. Well, now, you just stand pat, Edna. Just refuse to do either one. Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't get in no argument with Snake if I was you, Abner. There ain't nothing he won't do to have his way. You said that yourself. Well, now, uh, he ain't scaring me none with his threats. I don't think. Well, come in, gentlemen. Come in. Uh, hi, Dick. I was just looking for Peabody. Uh, yes, we want to see you a few minutes, Abner. Well, take a good look at me. Here I am. Well, uh, we want to talk a little business with you private. Uh, yes, uh, could you step out in front here a few minutes, Abner? won't take long. Well, can't you talk to a man here? Are you going to come out here, Peabody, or are we going to have to drag you out? Cut, cut now, Snake. Just a minute now. Don't get rambunctious. Uh, Abner, we'd rather talk to you privately if you don't mind. Well, all right. I don't mind to talk with you. I'll tell you right now, I ain't going to buy no stock, and I ain't going to give you your money back. Well, there may be ways to make you change your mind about that, Peabody. I'll be back in a minute, sir. Yeah, all right, Abner. That Snake Hogan acts like he's pretty mad, didn't he? Yeah. Hope Abner don't get in any trouble with him. Wait a minute. Look here. Huh? What are they trying to do there? Well, it looks like they're trying to shove Abner in that car. Uh, Granny, that's what they're doing. Yeah, Snake's holding him on the back seat there. Hey, wait a minute, you fellas. Yeah, hold on, What are you man. trying to do there? Come back here. Come on, Dick. We better follow him. Granny's ain't no telling what they are. Well, maybe those were not idle threats that Snake Hogan was making after all. And now, all vacationists, attention. We're going to hear from Mr. Warren W. Lundgren. Don't miss hearing what he has to say. Seven of us, three from Racine, Wisconsin, and four from Burlington, Iowa, recently made a two-week fishing and canoe trip to Quetico Reserve, Ontario Province, Canada. During the vacation, we canoed over 120 miles and trudged heavily laden with canoes and pack sacks over about 50 miles of portages through the woods. Because we were constantly on the move, we were often forced to omit a noonday meal. At other times, making a late camp, we found little time to prepare complete suppers at night. It was at times like these that we were mighty thankful for the Horlicks tablets four of us had brought along. We surely made liberal use of these on portages and when meals were omitted. We wish to pay a high tribute to your product, as it certainly sustained us and lessened our feeling of fatigue. Well, Mr. Lundgren, we certainly want to thank you for telling us this. Vacationists, did you all hear what Mr. Lundgren said? I know that you too will find a score of uses for Horlicks tablets on your holiday trip, whether motoring, golfing, or fishing. Don't forget to take a flask along. 
Your druggist has them, you know, in both natural and chocolate flavor. This is Carlton Brickert, speaking for Lum and Abner and Horlick, who now bid you all goodbye until tomorrow at the same time. Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. The Lady Esther Screen Guild play tonight, The Good Fairy. The starring players... This is Deanna Durbin. This is Frederick March. And this is Jean Lockhart. Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in Universal Pictures' sparkling comedy, The Good Fairy, based on the play by Ference Molnar. It stars Frederick March as Dr. Sporum, Diana Durbin as Louisa, and Jean Lockhart as Mr. Conrad. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in The Good Fairy. <laughs> it could have happened to anyone. Just listen and see if you don't agree. You see, that was my very first job, working as a maid in the hotel. And old Detlaff, he was one of the waiters there. Oh, I guess he felt sort of sorry for me because I'd been raised at the orphanage. And anyway, we got to talking and he said... You mean you've never even been to a party? Well, once, at the orphanage, they took all us girls on an excursion. We gave them a lawn party at the penitentiary. The penitentiary? Yes, but only that once. They said it worried the prisoners or something. Oh, that's silly. I mean a real party with lovely dresses and tailcoats and wine and good service and glassware and music. Oh, my. Ice cream and caviar and frogs Oh, I love ice cream. Well, look, there's going to be a big ball here tomorrow night. Would you like to go? Oh, I'd love to. But I haven't anything to wear. Well, I'll borrow an evening dress from the dry-cleaning shop. And I'll get you an invitation, too. I'll leave it for you at the porter's desk. Oh, uh, what's your name? Louisa. Uh, Louisa Ginglebusher. Ginglebusher? Mm. Baron so-and-so, meet Miss Ginglebusher. Now, that sounds awful. But that's my name. What'll I do? Well, you better not do anything. Uh, just sit at a table and look aristocratic. And that's what I was doing at the ball. Just sitting at a table and looking aristocratic. 
when Mr. Conrad rushed up and sat right down and said, oh, Why, you're beautiful. You're, you're wonderful. The nicest thing that's happened to me. Are you alone? That's fine. And let's have, uh, let's have some champagne. Yes, but Detlap was the waiter at our table, you see, and, and he didn't think I should drink champagne, and he said... I believe the young lady would prefer some soup. And Mr. Conrad said... Champagne. And Detlef said... Soup. And Mr. Conrad said... Champagne. And Detlef still said... Soup. And then Mr. Conrad got very angry. I say champagne, and if we can't get it here, we'll get it in the private dining room. So you see, that's how we happened to go to the private dining room. And... Well, I was a little frightened, I guess. I, I mean... Well, the way Mr. Conrad was carrying on. Money? Oh, money's no object, my dear. I have millions, millions. I'm in the meatpacking business, you know. Just got back from South America. Oh, you're marvelous, wonderful. Why, a pretty girl like you ought to have everything. Diamonds, rubies, automobiles. You're stupendous, colossal. You're... How would you like a, a fur coat, huh? That's what I'll start with. A nice Oh, no, fur... no, no, you can't. Nonsense, nonsense. I thrive on obstacles. I... Why can't I? Why can't I give you a little sable coat? Well, because, uh, because, well, you see, uh, I'm married. Married? Oh, now, why did you have to go and say that? Why do you have to spoil everything? We were having such fun. I was buying you a fur coat and... Ah, aha. Wait a minute. Don't move. I've got it. Got what? He'll buy you the fur coat. Who? Your husband. I'll make him rich. I'll... Uh, what does he do? Uh, uh... Oh, you mean, what does he do? Certainly, I mean, what does he do? Uh, Doctor? Teacher? Engineer? Dentist? Oh, no. No, no, not a dentist. No, no, that would be too painful. Uh, printer? <laughs> Undertaker? Grocer? Lawyer? A lawyer. That's what he is, a lawyer. Fine, fine. I, I'll make him uh, General South American Legal Representative. General South American Legal... What does it mean? Nothing. But I'll make him something. I'll make him rich. Not ordinary rich. I mean special rich. Oh, just think. He'll be rich on account of me. Well, I'll be... I'll be his good fairy. I'll wave my wand and... You mean I'll wave my checkbook. I'll make him so rich he'll... Uh, confound that waiter. Where's the champagne we've got to celebrate? You wait here, my dear. I'll go and get it. That's how the whole thing happened, you see. I just wanted to be a good fairy and make my husband rich, only I didn't have a husband. So I had to get one out of the phone book, and he had to be a lawyer and very poor. So I picked one on a very poor street, Dr. Max Forum on Weisenberger Street. And, well, that's why Mr. Conrad went to see him. Ah, good morning. I'm looking for Dr. Max Forum. Are you from the gas company? I should say not. I'm from the South American Meat Packing Company. Though I'm sorry, I, I don't like frozen meat. Good day. Uh, just a minute. Do I look like a meat salesman? Mm, frankly, yes. Well, I'll have you know, sir, that I'm president of a very large organization. And I'm here to get some legal advice from Dr. Sporum. And my first advice to him will be to discharge you. Well, now, let me tell you, my pompous friend, no one can discharge me. I am Dr. Sporum. Uh, just the same. Uh, eh? Oh, oh, you're Dr. Sporum. Hmm. <laughs> well, no wonder I didn't recognize you. I mean, behind that beard. Yeah, this, this beard, sir. This beard is a proud symbol of my profession. I'll thank you not to disparage it. Oh, no, no, no. On the contrary. Now, I'm here to make you my general South American legal representative. Now, what do you think of that? 
I'm no child, you know. No, naturally not for that. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I have always upheld the ethics of my profession, sir. I will have nothing to do with shady deals. But, but you, you don't understand. Now, you, you, you mean you have no motives? Yet you pick me, an unknown, unsuccessful lawyer, for a post of that sort? Answer yes or no. No, I, I mean yes. I mean... Well, you're, you're, you're not as obscure as you think, Dr. Sparrow. Oh, no. Some of us have been watching you, sir. Those uh, cases of yours... Oh, you mean the Bogani case? That's the one. Good old Bogani. <laughs> the way you won that case... Yeah, but I, I lost it. That's what I... Um, oh, you lost it. Oh, but that, that's, that, that's just what I mean. Sometimes it's better to lose a case cleverly than to win it stupidly. Now, here's my proposition, sir. Your fees will be a uh, uh, hundred thousand a year. Uh, a hundred thousand? And here's ten thousand cash to bind the bargain. So, so fast. Well, that, that, that's my motto. The quicker, the faster. And remember, Dr. Sporum, remember, share your good fortune with anyone near and dear to you. Uh, a little sable here, a diamond there. Huh? It means so much to them. <laughs> well, that's all for now. I'll phone you later. I, I'm rich. I, I can have new furniture, new equipment, a new pencil sharpener. An automatic with a handle and different sized holes. What I've always dreamed about at last, at last. That's it, that's it, gentlemen. The desk goes right there. Fine, fine, fine. Now, if you'll bring those files... I'm sorry, that'll have to wait. We're quitting for lunch. Come on, men. Oh, no, no. no. Do you really have to? I mean, couldn't you... That, oh, excuse, excuse me, please. I, No, no, look here. You mustn't bother me when I'm... Oh, you've brought it. Oh, my pencil sharpener. And high time, I must say. If you delivered pencil sharpeners a little more promptly, you might not have to work in a stationer's all your life. But I don't work in a stationer's. Promptness is the very soul of... Oh, you don't? No, I was just standing outside, and the messenger put this gadget in my hands and told me to sign for Dr. Max Sporum, and... Are you Dr. Sporum? Yes, yes. And whom have I the honor of... Uh... Oh, my name is Louisa. Louisa Ginglebusher. I see you... Uh... Gingle, Busher? Uh, why were you standing outside, may I ask? Oh, you, you were coming here to consult me, perhaps. Oh, no. I just wanted to see how you looked. Indeed? Mm -hmm. And how do I look? Terrible. I, I mean, with that beard and everything. My dear young lady, you are looking at the general South American legal representative of a very large corporation. Are you glad? Glad? <laughs> if you mean stupefied, jubilant, triumphant, thunderstruck... Yes, I do. Then I'm glad, and I'll tell you why. Because I've always contended that right is right and integrity is the only sure road to success. But don't you... No, 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 let, let me finish. For years I have starved in this very spot. For years, my dear girl. Dreading every ring on that doorbell. Knowing it meant always a summons for the rent. Or a man to shut off the water. Or remove my gas meter. And why? Well, hmm? maybe you just... No, no, no I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I have always been an ethical lawyer. Steeped in the law, but concerned with justice. Ah, but knowledge and honesty bring their reward in the end. Yes, just this morning, our president, Mr. Conrad, came to me. You mean you think he came because... Yeah, because he wanted an able, honest man. Why else? Well, maybe... And uh, to... because you're the first one to hear about this world-shaking event, and because you're rather pretty, and because I like you, from now on, I am your legal advisor for nothing. For nothing? Yeah, for nothing. Free, gratis, absolutely without charge. Now then, is there, uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, consult me about? Well, yes. Yes, there is one thing. Excellent, excellent. And since my fees are now a uh, hundred thousand a year, I believe we can afford to discuss your problem over lunch. 
I'm, uh, I'm putting in all new furniture, you know. I, I'm going to be completely re-equipped. Really? Mm-hmm. Isn't this ice cream good? Yeah, it's splendid, splendid. Did you know there's an ice box that makes its own ice and with gas? I don't believe Yeah, I don't either, no. But I read about it. I read... I, I might even... I might even buy one. And I might buy a, uh, a motor car, too. No. Yes. Oh, not, not a big one, of course. Just something to drive around in. How many cylinders? Oh, I don't know. Maybe one to start with. Isn't that wonderful? What color will you get? Red shows up nicely, or, or do you like green? No, well, I, I was thinking of a nice, quiet black. Black? Mm-hmm. Do you want to look like an undertaker? Why not get something cheerful like like yellow or green or I know, pink. Pink. Why not? That's a very pretty color. Oh no, no, no. I think I think a nice conservative black. Well, of course it's your car. But if it was me, I certainly wouldn't get it black and and well, I certainly wouldn't wear a beard either. I beg your pardon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I uh, <clears throat> believe there was something you wanted to ask me. Ask you? Yeah, as I understood it, a uh, legal question. Oh, that. Uh, yes, I, um, I, um... Uh, well, if a girl told a man she was married and she wasn't, and she only told him because she had to, is there anything wrong in that? Wrong in what? I mean, when he asked her her husband's name, and I just, um, this girl just picked out some name or other, is there anything wrong in that? Well, she didn't get anything from him under this assumed name, did she? Oh, no, no, she didn't get anything, nothing. Oh, well, then, then she has nothing to worry about, and she may eat her ice cream in peace. <laughs> if I had a name like Jingle Busher, I'd want to change it, too. Mm. If I had a beard like that, I certainly wouldn't make fun of Jingle Busher. Which concludes the legal business, I believe. Please take it off. Never. All right. And it's got to be pink. Pink? The car. You can't take that beard around in a black car. You'd frighten the children. Uh, just a moment. I never said I was buying a car. I was only thinking about it. Oh, but you've got to buy one. You've got to buy it today. Oh, now, please, one, one doesn't just buy cars like that. But suppose your president changes his mind. By tomorrow night, you might not even be general legal. Why should he change his mind? Oh, I don't know. He, he just might. Come on, let's go and buy it now. Well, of course, I, I don't mind going to look. But, but, but just to look, mind you. Under no circumstances will I buy a car. At last, at last, I'm driving my own motor car. Oh, and such a lovely color, too. <laughs> such a beautiful pink. It'll be so effective when your beard comes off. People will point at me It's uh, my beard. Never. What do you like today, Dr. Spoldum? A haircut, the shampoo, and the beard. Uh, I trim him a little, yes? The, the beard comes off. Off? Off. Off? Off! And what's more, I'm... I'm afraid this is just the beginning. Lady Esther has presented Act One of The Good Fairy, starring Jean Lockhart, Frederick March, and Deanna Durbin. In just a moment, we will hear the Lady Esther Screen Guild players in Act Two. But first, a word from our hostess, Lady Esther. 
If you were to wet your face and let it dry in the wind, you know how tight and drawn it would feel. You know how rough and flaky the delicate surface texture of your skin would look. Well, skin specialists tell me that coating the skin, covering it with mask-like makeup, produces somewhat the same condition, only worse. They call it dehydrating the skin, drying it out. If you've been using any type of makeup that stiffens or hardens on your skin, becomes a sort of mask or coating, you may have noticed dehydration. You may have noticed that your skin is drier and flakier than it used to be, that the pore openings seem stretched and enlarged, that the texture of your skin looks a little coarser. You may even have noticed little bumps and blemishes. Skin specialists say these are the results you can expect from makeup that plasters the skin and corks up the tiny pore openings. Instead of improving the skin, such makeup may actually cause it to look older. Now, doesn't it seem a shame for any woman to take such risks when she can look so much lovelier safely? Lady Esther Face Powder gives your skin that smooth, flawless look you want, that fresh, young look, without danger. For it's made a new way by my patented twin hurricane process. And it has what I call a baby texture. It's not like ordinary powder on the skin, but like a delicate film of beauty that helps hide little lines and blemishes. And it clings at least four hours, often longer. Compare Lady Esther face powder with any other makeup you've ever used. Try it on half your face, with your usual makeup on the other. And I promise you, you'll see at once why more lovely women now use Lady Esther face powder than any other kind of makeup. I was so happy that afternoon, and I really thought I was his good fairy, too. Helping him to buy a car and a new suit and new ties and shirts... And then afterward, while he was in the barber shop, I was waiting in the department store across the street. And that's how I happened to see the first scarf. Oh, it was so beautiful. Genuine foxine. And a bargain, too. 1950. Uh, marked down from 25. Of course, I couldn't afford anything like that. I couldn't even hope to buy it, but, well, I, I was just sort of trying it on. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Hmm? I said that scarf looks lovely on you. Now, what do you think about me? Oh, I, I, I'm afraid you've made a mistake. Y yes, I think I have, Miss Ginglebusher. Look what you've done to me. Look. Dr. Sporum, it's you. Yes, what's left of me. You see before you a man who has to shave. The bane of human existence. It takes time and trouble and ruins the disposition. But you look wonderful. So handsome. No, 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 please, let me finish. Young lady, you don't realize. My beard kept me warm in winter and cool in summer. <laughs> and gave me something to do with my hands when I was nervous. But, but... Uh, yeah, and besides which, a beard is man's crowning glory, distinguishing him from all other animals. Some other animals can even speak, such as parrots. But can you show me any others with beards? <laughs> yes, such as billy goats. Well, well, yeah, Billy goes, yeah. But uh, I, I do feel very naked, you know. But let it never be said that a sporum refused any request of a gingle busher. I'm so glad you did it. 
Now you look like a real general South American legal. You look very pretty in that scarf. What is it? Isn't it beautiful? It's genuine foxine. Aha. Uh-huh. Probably related to a fox or something. I was, uh, I was just trying it on. Huh? I think, I think I'd better... Oh, no, 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 don't take it off, Lula. You've, you've got to have it. You've got to let me share my good fortune with you. Oh, I can't. No, 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 please, you must. What's a fox scene between friends, hmm? Oh, clerk, clerk. Yes, sir, something you wish, sir? Yeah, the young lady will take this scarf. I see it's, uh, 1950, hmm? Here's a 20. You may keep the change. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, yeah. You're wonderful and kind and good and, and generous. That's why I like doing things for you. For me? You mean you have done, uh, or about to do, or you, you, you wish to do me some good? Oh, uh, no, no, I, I just mean if something came along, well, naturally, I, I mean, I'd do it if I could. Oh, well, that's sweet of you. <laughs> you know, now that we've met, it would be dreadful if we lost each other. We, we never saw each other again, hmm? Yes, wouldn't it? So it follows that we must arrange to meet again. Tonight, perhaps, for supper. That's wonderful. I... Oh, no, I can't. I forgot. You forgot what? I have to have supper with a gentleman. I, I told him I would at his hotel. His hotel? Well, do you mean his apartment? I suppose so. Oh, I'd rather go with you, but after all he's done, I, I mean, Is I... this the gentleman to whom you gave the assumed name? Yes. I see. Mm-hmm. For such a young girl, you're doing very well. I'm not doing anything. Good day, Miss Gingelbusher. Oh, wait, wait. Don't you want to see me anymore? I, I thought we liked each other. Apparently, we were mistaken. Goodbye. He's so happy, Detlaff. He thinks he's been made general South American legal because he's been honest all these years. He's got to keep all that. Even if he doesn't like me anymore, he's got to keep his pencil sharpener. What do you mean, his pencil sharpener? Has anyone been giving you champagne again? Oh, don't be silly. But if you start out being a good fairy, you can't stop right in the middle. In the middle of what? Well, where does the pencil sharpener come in? He's got to keep it. That's why I have to have supper with Mr. Conrad. The one who tried to make you drink last night? I absolutely forbid it. You can. I can. I'll, I'll tear him apart with my bare hands. I'll knock him down. I'll, I'll knock him down again. It's laugh. This is for Dr... For dear Maxie's sake. Oh, it's good to see you, my dear. You're wonderful. You're gorgeous. You're... Uh, tell me, what did he say? Who? That, uh, your husband, you know. Oh, Maxie. Well, I, I gave him a good talking to. Fine. And then we went out and bought a new car. Fine, fine. And then he got some new clothes. New suit, new hat, uh-huh. new shirts, new ties. Yes, yes, yes. But what about you? Uh, what did you get? Me? Well, after all, that, that, that was the whole idea. If I made him rich, I mean... Oh, yes, uh, yes, of course. I got this fur scarf. Isn't it lovely? Genuine Foxine. Foxine? Foxine. He gets himself an automobile. All those wonderful things and all you get is this, this piece of skinned cat. It isn't cat. Don't tell me. Skins are part of my business. Why, a girl like you should have the best. Herman Sables, Mink, Chinchilla. And if he won't get them for you, I'll get them for you. Oh, no, no, you, you can't. Why not? I worship you, revere you, you electrify me, you weld me into a... Into a... Fiend. Into a fiend. Into a... a what? No. What are you doing here, sir? Who are you? Oh. Don't you remember me? Of course I do. I never forget a face. Wait, don't tell me. I uh, Hold on. I, I have... Ah! 
You're that waiter fellow, the one who liked soup. No, she liked the soup. I don't like soup, and I don't like you, and maybe you won't like this. Take that. Oh, you hit him. You'll spoil everything. Now, come along. We're getting out of here. Come on, now. No, no, Come on. Go. Unhand her. Unhand her. You, you, you can't do this to her. To me, you'll pay for it. I'll pay you for it. I'll see my lawyer. <laughs> Dr. Sporham, I want to see him. Isn't he home? Don't stand there like that. Call Dr. Sporham. I am Dr. Sporham. What do you mean you're... Why, he's a fellow with a... Don't you think... What's the big idea? I shave. You shave? You look terrible. Well, you don't look too well yourself. What's the matter with your eye? Ah, that's what I came to see you about. A little while ago, I was walking down the street. A taxi came along. A taxi, eh? Did it belong to one of the big companies? It doesn't matter. Ah, but it does. In the case of Weber... I don't care about Weber. All I care about is your wife. My wife? Yes, your wife. She was sitting in the cab with an ugly waiter from my hotel. And when I... <laughs> what are you laughing at? Your wife was in the taxi with that waiter. I haven't any wife. You haven't any... What do you mean, sir? Oh, I thought that... Oh, the... excuse me. I'll see who's at the door. Uh, Dr. Sporham. Louisa, it's you. I've been looking everywhere for you. I went back to the store, but you were gone. Dr. Sporham, this is Detlef. He said we ought to come and... It's an outrage to subject a girl like this to the attentions of an old wolf like that. Are you referring to me? (gasps) Mr. Conrad. Uh Uh-huh. No wife, Dr. Sporham. I suppose she just came here by accident. I suppose you never saw her before. I suppose you're not even married to her. I suppose I must be goofy or something. Yes, it's possible, of course. But pending a final decision in this matter, I believe we'd better have an explanation. So you said you were married. That's where you come in, Dr. Sporham. Me? He, he said he'd make my husband rich, and, and I, I thought I could be like a, like a good fairy and help somebody, and so I looked in, in the phone book. And you... You picked me, is that it? I just said, teeny, meeny, miny, moan. And that, Mr. Conrad, is why you came to me and made me your lawyer. Well, in a, in a way, I mean, that is... Uh, yes. I see, I see. Honesty is the only road to success. The standard of ethics, long may it wave. It's all my fault. Oh, I, I can understand about the phone. It's an impulsive gesture. But why did you have to go to his apartment tonight, hmm? Why? So you could keep your blasted pencil sharpener, that's why. Louisa, you mean everything you did? I mean, my pencil sharpener... It was all for me. I'm sorry I was so much trouble. I'm going now. Mr. Conrad, I guess this first scarf is yours. Oh, no. Yes, yes, she's right. She's right, of course. The scarf, the furniture, the motor car, the balance of the money. Louisa, we shall be very poor. I've never been anything else. But you know I love you. And I love you. We'll get along even without his old contract. Oh, you will, will you? Independent, aren't you? Well, let me tell you this. This man has a contract with me. He signed for five years whether he likes it or not. What? And if there's any breaking of contracts around here, I'll do it myself. Who do you think you are? But, but, Mr. Conrad... Yes, and who do you think you are, young lady? Well, whether you like it or not, Mr. Conrad, she happens to be my good fairy. <laughs> oh, no, I'm the good fairy. As a matter of fact... Why, you soup lover, you, I- I'll punch you right in the eye. 
If there's any good fairy around here, it's me. Thank you, Frederick March, Deanna Durbin, and Jean Lockhart for a really delightful half hour. And now, before we tell you about next week's show, a word from one of America's foremost beauty authorities, Lady Esther. If you are one of those who've written me recently of your experience with harmful makeup, I want to take this opportunity to thank you. I'm glad to know I'm wakening so many women to the danger of dehydrated skin, skin dried, flaked, and coarsened by the application of mask-like coatings of makeup. But I've not been the only one to sound this warning. Skin specialists are continually telling women who come to them with dry, rough, blemished skins to avoid any makeup that coats the skin, masks it. For if you cork up the tiny pore openings with hard little deposits, you stretch and enlarge them, risk ugly little bumps and blemishes, dry and coarsen the skin's delicate surface. I can't believe any woman would willingly take these risks once she knows about them especially when it's so easy to prove with one little box of Lady Esther face powder that she can get the smooth, flawless look she wants safely. Lady Esther face powder, made by my own exclusive process, is smoother and finer than face powder has ever been before. You'll see the difference the instant the puff touches your skin. You'll see how much smoother your skin looks, how much fresher and younger. You'll see why so many women call Lady Esther face powder the most flattering powder they've ever used. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present Alias the Deacon. It will star Charles Winninger, Martha O'Driscoll, and Noah Berry, Jr. Be sure to listen. Deanna Durbin is currently being seen in the Universal production Christmas Holiday. Frederick March will soon be seen in the Lester Cowan production Tomorrow the World. Jean Lockhart can currently be seen in Going My Way, a Paramount production. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Now, to try Lady Esther for-purpose face cream, just get the smallest size jar. Later, you can get the economical large jar and keep refilling the small one for convenience. This is Harry Bonzel speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.